back to the crossover across time podcast for our Tuesday edition of week 24, uh, March 28th of 2023. Uh, I'm your host, Karsten. Uh, I do feel the need to preface. Of course, this is our Tuesday episode. However, um, we're releasing it a little bit later uh, in Tuesday night, technically, than um, we're used to. Uh, it's technically Wednesday at this point. It's March 29th, um, very early in that morning, getting this done before I, you know, wrap things up, get ready to to go to bed. But um, that being said, we're going to ha- go ahead and uh, do our normal, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, fumbling over my words a little bit. We're going to do our normal Tuesday show as far as talking about Monday, last night's um, games, as well as the latest key news before we go ahead and jump into our award chase update conversation Um However, you best want to, you know, quantify that or uh, title it. Maybe that's the word we're looking for. Um, So with that, let's go ahead and get started. Um, First game from last night's action, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks won in uh, Detroit against the Pistons, even without the services of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, The Bucks win at 126 to 117, classic Central Division matchup. Despite an early lead from the Pistons, the Bucks uh, never trailed once they took the lead, leading by as much as 15 points in this game. So not, uh, you know, a complete route in any sense, in any sense, but the, the Bucks certainly had solid control of this game uh, throughout. For the Pistons, they were led by Jaden Ivey, the rookie. He had one of his best games of the season, 32 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, Um Four turnovers, a, little, a touch high, but percentages were, were good all round. He was uh, three for six from three and 11 of 12 from the free throw line. So very good stuff to see from the rookie there. 18 points and 10 rebounds off the bench for Jalen Duran. Um, 14 each for James Wiseman and Killian Hayes and 16 points for Marvin Bagley the third. Meanwhile, for the Bucks, it was Chris Middleton stepping up in Giannis's absence. 34 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Um Tough shooting night from three, but he got it done everywhere else on the floor. Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez had a great game inside as well. Brooke Lopez with 24 points, Bobby Portis with 21 points. Portis and Lopez also each had 14 rebounds, so they combined for 28 of Milwaukee's 50 total rebounds. So great rebounding effort for them. Lopez also was stout defensively, two blocks and a steal, as he's done um, just about all season long. And Javon Carter starting in place of uh, Drew Holiday, who also did not play in this game. He had a good game too, 22 points on some great percentages. He had six three-pointers on the game uh, as the Bucks go on to win that game in Detroit. So congratulations to Milwaukee. Next, the Dallas Mavericks win on the road. They avenge some of their recent losses, their recent four-game losing streak. They've broken that. Uh, they win in Indiana against the Pacers, 127-104. to uh, And Luka Doncic has a nice game. big part of that victory back and forth first quarter. And then the Dallas Mavericks uh, ended up taking a lead and really running with that leading by as many as 31 points uh, early fourth quarter for the Pacers. They were led by the rookie Benedict Matherin starting in this game, 26 points for him uh, along with a steal and a block. So a little bit of defense mixed in with his instant offense, Uh, 17 points for Andrew Nemhard starting in place of, um, <clears throat> Tyrese Halliburton, 17 points for him, uh, five rebounds, five assists. 
They also got 15 points off the bench for TJ McConnell, 12 rebounds off the bench for Isaiah Jackson, uh, 13 points for Jordan Nora, and 11 points for Jalen Smith. Uh, but for the Mavericks, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic combined for a good all-round game. Luka with 25 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. Kyrie, 16 points, but he was very good defensively. 3 blocks and 2 steals. Uh, very impressive numbers, especially for him. 20 points off the bench for Jaden Hardy, the rookie who's continued to impress in the recent months. And uh, 3 other double-figure scorers for the Mavericks as they get that win against the Pacers. Next, the New York Knicks um, win at home against the uh, Houston Rockets, uh, 137 to 115. And Emmanuel quickly has uh, a huge game in this one in Madison Square Garden. Um, Pretty close through the first half. And then the Knicks uh, were able to build a lead and really expand the lead in the fourth quarter where they had their biggest lead of the game of 33 points. For the Rockets, they had seven players in double-figure scoring, led by Kevin Porter Jr., who had 26 points. They also had 19 points from Jalen Green, uh, 18 for Kenya Martin Jr., and Jabari Smith Jr. had 14 points and 11 rebounds. Um, Terry Eason and Josh Christopher, uh, double-figures off the bench. But for the Knicks, uh, Emmanuel Quickly, we mentioned him, a career-high 40 points, along with nine assists. Um, continuing to really stand out in those moments where he's had to be a relief point guard uh, with Jalen Brunson out. So huge game for him. 26 points for Julius Randle, 19 points for RJ Barrett, and 14 points for Quentin Grimes, uh, not to mention 15 points for Obi Toppin coming off the bench. Uh, so great all-around performance for the Knicks. Great standout game for Emmanuel quickly. Um, great for for them to see that kind of play from him. Next, the Phoenix Suns win in Salt Lake City against the Jazz, the Utah Jazz, 117 to 103. Um, <clears throat> tough loss again for Utah. Of course, I've mentioned in the past, um, being a you know Utah born and raised guy, I'm a Jazz fan, and so I'm you know upset they lost the game. But it was a great game for Phoenix, a uh, great all around game. It was competitive through the first three quarters, um, but. Phoenix took a lead in the fourth that they never gave up. Their biggest lead was in the fourth quarter, uh, 16 points, winning by a little bit less than that in the end. For the Jazz, they were led by Larry Markinen, as you'd expect, 25 points, nine rebounds for him. Uh, tough shooting night from three, but he was 11 of 12 from the free throw line. 18 points for Walker Kessler, along with eight rebounds and seven blocks on the night, um, continuing to make his case for um, a all-rookie potential rookie of the year candidate, maybe even, you know, an all defensive team appearance. Um, very great rookie season for him. 16 points for Taylor Horton Tucker, along with eight rebounds, eight assists and 10 points for Kelly Olenek with seven rebounds and seven assists. Meanwhile, the Suns, led by Devin Booker, 24 points, seven rebounds, five assists, uh, 14 for DeAndre Ayton uh, with eight rebounds as well. Chris Paul, only nine points, but 10 assists, two steals, and two blocks. So getting it done everywhere except huge scoring numbers. And then three double-figure scorers off the bench. Cameron Payne with 12, Bismarck Biombo with 11, and Terrence Ross with 13. As the Suns get a nice win as they continue to try and solidify their uh, playoff positioning, that fourth-place spot in the Western Conference. <clears throat> Next, um, a game we had penciled in as a, a 
you know, exciting matchup, the Denver Nuggets hosting the Philadelphia 76ers. Unfortunately, we did not have um, Joel Embiid or James Harden play in this game. Um, still a close game, though. The Nuggets still win 116-111 to 111, uh, thanks to a Nikola Jokic triple-double yet again doing that on the season. And again, competitive first half, uh, but the Nuggets had a great run mid-third quarter that really uh, helped seal the victory despite a late comeback effort by the 76ers. Uh, for those 76ers, in the absence of Harden and Embiid, they were led by Tyrese Maxey, 29 points, five assists, four rebounds, along with three steals, showing you a bit of defensive prowess along with the scoring. 16 points each for both Paul Reed and Tobias Harris. Uh, Reed getting some nice minutes in lieu of Joel Embiid. Uh, Dwayne Dedman starting at center, though. And then uh, 14 points for Jalen McDaniels. Then for the Denver Nuggets, Jokic, where he talked about him having a triple-double, 25 points, 17 rebounds, and 12 assists, along with two blocks as well. Uh, Jamal Murray, 19 points. Michael Porter Jr., 15 points. And Aaron Gordon, 12. Plus, Bruce Brown's 18 points coming off the bench. Uh, so great all-around game. Uh, Nuggets doing what they needed to in the absence of uh, the Sixers stars, star players to be able to get that victory. Um, and a very nice victory in there you know, wrapping up the season, looking towards the playoffs. It's a different Sixers team than you would anticipate playing if that was a, a possible finals matchup, um, but still a nice win for them to have. Next, the New Orleans Pelicans win in Portland against the Trailblazers, 124 to 90. Um, really tough night for Portland. They had a brief early lead uh, first few minutes of the game, but New Orleans steadily built the lead throughout the game. Uh, early first quarter that they got leading by as much as 36 points in this one, a very strong game for them all round uh, for the trailblazers. They were led by Keon Johnson actually of off the bench. He had 20 points um, and good shooting percentages all round. He also had six assists and three rebounds. So a nice game for him. Uh, the trailblazers were of course, without uh, Anthony Simons um, D- uh, Damian Lillard, of course, excuse me. And, Yusuf Nurkic, so three, and Jeremy Grant. So four of their best players they were without. Um, so that was certainly a factor. Um, so yeah, Keon Johnson stepping up off the bench. Kevin Knox, the second off the bench with 15 points, had a, had a good game too. Uh, 12 points each for Shaden Sharp and Drew Eubanks in that starting lineup, and then 11 for Cam Reddish, uh, who was also off the bench. For the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram continues to do what he did um, <clears throat> last week, stepping up, leading the Pelicans to victories. 29 points, six rebounds, and four assists for him on the game. Uh, 17 points for CJ McCollum, 16 for Trey Murphy the third, 10 points, 21 rebounds for Jonas Valanciunas, along with two blocks. Incredible inside game for him. Uh, and they also got 10 points off the bench for Josh Richardson. Uh, so a great win for the Pelicans. Again, Brandon Ingram, uh, last week's MVP, continuing to step up for the Pelicans. <clears throat> Next, the... Uh, Sacramento Kings, unfortunately, were not able to cash in their uh, playoff clinching scenario last night, um, losing at home to the Minnesota Timberwolves, 119 to 115. The Kings, of course, still have plenty of opportunities to clinch that that playoff spot officially. Um, <clears throat> they just didn't get it done officially last night. Um, and yeah, great game for the Timberwolves to be able to do that. It was close throughout. Um, I mean, Timberwolves got an early lead 
it was back and forth in the third quarter. There were 22 total lead changes in this game, uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, but then, yeah, Minnesota getting it done in the fourth quarter to seal the victory. For the Sacramento Kings, it was De'Aaron Fox and Amana Sabonis leading the way, as you'd expect. 29 points for De'Aaron Fox, 24 points, 10 rebounds for DeMontis Sabonis, 19 points for Harrison Barnes, and 13 points for Kevin Herter. He also got 12 points off the bench for Malik Monk and 11 rebounds off the bench from Trey Lyles. For the Timberwolves, though, seven players in double figures led by Jaden McDaniels, 20 points. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns resting this game, starting alongside Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert in that front court. Uh, 18 points off the bench for Nas Reed. He's continued to be very impressive off the bench for the Timberwolves. Um, 16 each for Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley. Gobert also added 16 rebounds and two blocks. 17 points and seven assists for Anthony Edwards. And 15 points, 11 assists for Kyle Anderson uh, as the Timberwolves get a very nice victory as they look to solidify their own play-in and maybe even playoff-type position. And finally, the... LA Clippers win at home against the Chicago Bulls, 124 to 112. Uh, and Kawhi, among a lot of great scoring efforts uh, from Clippers players in this game. Close first half, like a lot of these games, uh, the team that won the game was able to take a, a big step in that second half and really uh, go out to a big lead to kind of seal the game. For Chicago, they were led by Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic as you'd expect, all three of them with 20 or more points. Uh, Levine with 23 to lead them. Uh, <clears throat> DeMar DeRozan also with seven assists, five rebounds, and two steals. Uh, so very nice all-around game for him. Patrick Williams starting alongside them, 16 points, uh, a steal and a block as well. Uh, Patrick Beverly, not a ton of other stats outside of the two steals and the block, but he got those defensive plays, defensive moments. And then 11 points off the bench for Andre Drummond, along with eight rebounds. Then for the Clippers, seven players in double-figure scoring, and they had a trio of 20-point scores as well. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Nick Batum, and Eric Gordon. Uh, Batum, the leading scorer, with 24 points. Leonard and Gordon with 22 points each. They also got 13 off the bench for Bones Highland. And Russell Westbrook with 12 points and 10 assists to lead the Clippers effort alongside Kawhi Leonard. And... That is the last of our games from Monday night's action that we, uh, you know, we've, we've just summarized for you. It was a very interesting slate of games. And I've already seen, of course, you know, we've had Tuesday's games. I think we have some inter interesting things to talk about uh, for tomorrow's game summaries as well. So <clears throat> definitely stay tuned for that. In the meantime, let's go ahead and shift gears into our key news. And we really don't have a ton of items to talk about here. We have some interesting ones, though. Firstly, this is a, a big announcement. The uh, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame class officially announced those uh, lucky few that have been selected as inductees uh, for the class of 2023. Um, of course, finalists were announced pretty recently, and it was a pretty star-studded list. We knew that a lot of those guys were, a lot of those people were likely to be um, first ballot Hall of Famers. And uh, much of that has come true. So the names that are going to be officially announced um actually a little bit later um i believe within the next uh couple weeks they'll make an official announcement um although this is pretty official but um those that have been selected are Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, Greg Popovich, Pau Gasol, Tony Parker and Becky Hammond. Um of course he played in the WNBA but also coached 
um, with the San Antonio Spurs organization and has been part of the part of their organization for a while. So certainly all of them well-deserving. And it's again, a very star studded class, multiple champions, um, MVPs, all time, great coaching, um, international greatness. You know, there's multiple layers of how fantastic this draft, uh, this, uh, hall of fame class will be. And so congratulations to all those. We'll congratulate them again. Once it's a little bit even more official, um, but certainly no surprise to see any of those names being inducted into the basketball hall of fame. So congratulations to them next for the Phoenix suns. This is something they've been anticipating for a while. Uh, Kevin Durant, who's been out with that ankle injury for uh, a few weeks now, he is set to return on Wednesday at home versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, you know, it was unfortunate because he was, it was actually during the process of warming up for what was going to be his home debut that he injured that ankle and has had to sit out the last few weeks. So now he should hopefully have that chance. Finally, something that should have hopefully been taken care of, you know, a few weeks ago, barring this injury, he now has a chance to actually make his home debut. Uh, the Suns fans, I'm sure are going to be extra eager, even especially after having to wait for so long. Um, they're going to be eager to, cheer him on they're getting him back in a good spot where they're going to be going into the playoffs with some pretty decent positioning not as great as maybe they'd like but they should be you know ideally for them a top four to kind of seed uh which would guarantee them first round uh home court advantage so that would still be a decent playoff position so that's good news for them next for the wizards um kind of an interesting um note an unfortunate note and something that we're you know, going to continue to get updates on, I'm sure. But um, the police are reportedly investigating um, an incident that occurred between Bradley Beal of the Wizards and a, a fan in uh, the arena. They, this was following a Washington loss in Orlando against the Magic last Tuesday, so on uh, March 21st. So um, unclear if this was, you know, an Orlando fan, a Washington fan, someone who traveled, someone who lived in Orlando. Um, you know, we really don't know much else about it was, it was a fan and it was Bradley Beal. Basically I read a bit of the, you know, articles and, and information about it. And basically this is, uh, the fan had said something to him after the loss, something along the lines of, you know, I, I bet X amount of money on you to be able to win this game or you to do such and such in the game. And, you know, you lost me that money. I think it was a little bit more brief in his comment to Bradley Beal reportedly Bradley Beal went over to the fan you know was upset that the fan had said this um then there's a report that he you know tried to knock the hat off of him or someone standing next to him maybe even you know hit a guy's head something like that um you know so it's it's not as serious as it could be you know I don't mean to downplay this it's just not a great situation for a player to be you know going after a fan in that sense you know um you know a fan makes a comment and maybe it's not the greatest comment but um yeah you know so we're we'll have to keep updates on this uh on what the specifics are what has actually happened what's just you know hearsay um at the very least we know for for certain that bradley beal had an interaction with a fan whether that was simply just talking with a fan or whether that was actually you know a a case of, of battery, as they're saying, like a, a, a minor case of that. Um, we'll have to see what happens, you know, kind of just an unfortunate thing. I mean, Washington not having a stellar season, Brad, the Beal doing something like that 
kind of disappointing. You don't like to see that, but again, we'll have to see what the, um, if that is exactly the case, what these, the specifics are, hopefully we'll get some updates, um, within the next couple of weeks. Um, finally, some, uh, players who have been out, um, updates on that. Firstly, I think we did kind of update this previously, as far as it might've been a little bit less official, um, but the Brooklyn Nets are officially shutting down Ben Simmons for the remainder of the season. Um, they're not going to be playing him for the last few weeks um, and going into the playoffs um, as he works on recovering from, I believe it was a back uh, injury of some sort. So uh, we wish him the best in recovering from that. Finally, for the Golden State Warriors, uh, Coach Steve Kerr has commented on, commented on the fact that he is hopeful Andrew Wiggins will return to play for the Warriors this season. Um mainly at this point, you know, going into a, a playoff situation, you know, only about a, a week and a half left in in the regular season. Um, Andrew Wiggins not really dealing with a, an injury of any sort. He's been uh, listed as out for quite some time with uh, personal reasons. Um, and that's really all the information that's been given us. And, you know, that's fair, honestly. As, uh you know, the media in general, and then a lot of the fans, you know, like to to speculate or they want to be updated on exactly what's going on with the player. But if it's something, it's personal, it's uh, family or close friends, something with that, you know, we don't know the specifics and we don't need to be privy to those specifics. Um, if it's serious enough to, to keep him from his profession and from playing with the team for, you know, a couple of months at a time, then, uh, you know, we just need to do our best to honor that, um, you know, honor his, his requests, be, you know, respectful of whatever's going on in his personal life, you know, not pry or anything, just, you know, understand that. And then hopefully he's able to return and hopefully whatever that situation is, is that it, it's able to come to a positive resolution, um, and he can return to play. So that's the update as far as that goes. So, so no timetable on him being able to return, for uh, the regular season and or the playoffs, um, but he's hopeful, you know, he feels like there's some, some maybe some reasons that or some signs that he could be able to play or, you know, he anticipates there'd be that road for him to return to play this season. Um, with that, that is our, our key news, just those, you know, four or five items. Um, we've done our game summaries. Let's now talk about the award chases. Um, and, you know, maybe we can just rest on something I saw um, and it, we can talk about this in, in a little bit more detail, this whole Kendrick Perkins MVP take, you know, and I think it's unfortunate Kendrick Perkins, um, was by no means, means a star player, but he was a very solid pro. Um, you know, he, he was, a uh, champion with the Boston Celtics. He was on the, uh, thunder squad that went to the, the finals, and he was, you know, how many seasons did he play? Um, he played, yeah, 15-ish seasons. I mean, he played in the, the NBA for a long time. Started in 2003 and went until 2018. He was a you know, long-time NBA veteran, never a star, but he was always, you know, in his prime 05 to 2014. He was a consistent starter. He was a starter on quality teams he was a, a respectable nba pro and i think it's unfortunate that he's been you know there's a lot of former players that go into the media circle and on the whole for the most part they usually are some of the best 
you know, analysts when it comes to, you know, uh, talking heads shows where they're talking about who's who's the MVP this season, who's going to win the title, who's, you know, such and such. And with their perspective, actually having played the game and they're usually not a lot of they don't like to be sensationalistic. You know, I think of a, a JJ Redick or a Richard Jefferson. Jefferson's a little bit more of a character, but we'll, both of them do a pretty good job of being authentic and, you know, being um, real, being, you know, down to earth as far as what's actually going on in the NBA. Um, and then Kendrick Perkins has kind of gone into that other side of it, you know, flirted with that idea of being a little bit more of a, you know, a hot take guy, a guy who likes to, um, you know, say things that are going to get people talking and, you know, it can be good for ratings. We've seen it in the past with, um, you know, Skip Bayless or a, a Stephen A. Smith, um, you know, Shannon Sharp. Now we've, we've seen, you know, um, we, we've seen that work as far as drawing attention, but whether or not it's positive in the NBA discourse, is uh is another story and so he's he's had recent running dialogue about his takes on the mvp race um and one of the things that he talked about was um uh his thought that there was racial you know ideas behind people's favorites for mvp this season which was you know odd i thought in an odd pick you know um, and so I, I don't know if he's, you know, backtracked from that, if he's doubled down, if he's apologized, whatever the, the extent of that was, but his latest take, um, he was talking about the fact that Joel Embiid did not play the, this most recent game that we, we outlined today on our game summaries, the, uh, Nuggets home game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, and he had the take that, oh, he, ducked the pressure of having to face off against Jokic and um, didn't want to get into, you know, didn't want to showcase himself in a head-to-head MVP, you know, matchup, which, you know, from a fan perspective, it's certainly disappointing that those two didn't play just for the simple fact of, yeah, those two were probably the two favorites to be the MVP and it would be cool to see them match up against each other. But, you know, is that really what you want to be worried about in a sense? You know, I joked a little bit, you know, kind of sarcastically about the fact that Embiid has made a really strong push in recent weeks as far as his individual play and the Sixers being even better as a team. And I joked kind of, oh, what if, you know, he's saving his best play for the end of the season and wants to have that impact the MVP vote, you know, and, you know, maybe you have that as a, an offhand thought one day as a player, but really I, I genuinely believe that these players are focused on what's best for the team long-term, what's best for me long-term as far as, you know, staying healthy, being able to, you know, have a long productive career and help my team, you know, and they would like to win awards like MVP, but especially for a team like the Nuggets, they're focused on, okay, what do we need to do to be successful in the playoffs? What's going to put us in the best position? And, um, you know, the same for the Philadelphia 76ers. It goes for both of these teams. And so for Embiid, you know, he's not worried about, oh, I'm playing the Nuggets. I have to play that game so that I can lock in the MVP vote. He 
you know, he'd like to win an MVP, but I think even more than that, he'd like to win a championship. And so he's thinking, okay, um, I, he's not even thinking about what's, you know, if I don't play against Jokic, how's that going to impact my MVP vote? He's thinking I need to rest, ensure that I don't, you know, risk injuring this, you know, strained calf and I can, you know, get back on the floor you know, be in good shape for the playoffs. You know, that's what he's thinking about. And Kendrick Perkins should, and I think does know this better than most. Again, as a player who is on deep playoff teams, um, multiple finals teams, not only that 08 title team, the Thunder team I mentioned, but also he was still on the Celtics in 2010. Um, and so was part of that team as well. So he's been part of multiple deep playoff runs. He's been part of a championship team. You know, he knows that, you need to be focused on that rather than these season awards, you know, not that he was really in contention for this level of award, but again, he was still a decent pro. And so it's just disappointing to see him have this kind of a take. Um, this is maybe me getting on, on my own little soapbox for a moment um, talking about it, but I guess what that leads us to as far as our own award race conversation is, you know, is there validity in this take itself? You know, the fact that Embiid rested, you know, we would, I think we should all agree for fairly legitimate reasons, making sure he's not risking injury. Um, but he rested and did not play against Jokic and the Nuggets won at home. It was still a close game. Is that, you know, we're always talking about how does this impact such and such? How does this situation, him not playing, impact the MVP race? And quite honestly, I think it really shouldn't matter that much at all. You know, MVP is a season long award chase. It's not about Embiid played Jokic X amount of times in the season and their stats compared to each other for that series are this and this. And so um, Embiid had the better stats or Jokic had the better stats. And so that player should win MVP. You know, sometimes those things are nice to see, you know, X player having a good, a good game against X player and both are in the against Y player and both are in the MVP mix, but it's about season long performance and there's a mix of team success. There's a mix of statistical uh, performance. There's a mix of, you know, single game, you know, noteworthy performances. There's a mix of um, their, how they are revered by players, coaches, fans, all kind of in the same breath, you know, a player who stands out for the season and a lot of people are able to come to a consensus. Okay. This guy was, you know, the guy in the season, he was scoring a lot. He was rebounding a lot. He was winning games. He was dominant one-on-one. He was, you know, he had great moves and skills. It's a combination of all of those things. You know, boiling it down to one single game where a guy didn't play in a game that happened to be against a team with another player in that caliber, it's all disappointing for the short term as a fan perspective, but it shouldn't be the, you know, end all be all of the MVP mix. That's really my takeaway, you know, and it's kind of, you know, it's not really a, a hot take for me to say that. Um, I'd say it's pretty, you know, middle of the road, pretty, um, reasonable. But again, I think that's kind of the better way to go. If you want to be real to the game is, 
um, you know, what feels right and what's sensible. And so that's my take on it. If we want to talk at this point in the season, you know, with a week and a half to go, who is on top of that matchup? You know, it seems like Embiid and Jokic have kind of been narrowed down by a lot of the media at this point to the two favorites for the MVP. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I think that there's um, two or three other guys that really should be in that conversation at the very least. Um, the same guys we've talked about all the se- all the season as far as, you know, a Jason Tatum, a Luka Doncic, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Maybe behind that, you start talking about a, a Donovan Mitchell, um, a John Morant can get a small vote here, maybe Sabonis. Um, so... But really, it's you know four four to six guys that are in that mix. But the media, kind of as a whole, has already picked Jokic and Embiid to be the two front runners. And again, I think that that's probably pretty accurate. You know, Giannis's numbers compare very favorably. Um, he's missed more time than both of either of those players, so that's a factor. He's had struggles from the aspect of turnovers. He's had some games that have kind of been, they've slipped away despite the Bucks having a nice win streak in the middle of things. Um, and they're still a one seed. They've haven't always been stellar in some senses, as far as the, the factor of, are they an impressive team? I don't know. It's kind of a vague thing anyways, but you know, Embiid and Jokic, I don't really have a problem with them being the front runners. Um, you know, Tatum's play has slipped at times this season. Um, Luca has, you know, they've had their own struggles in Dallas. They're currently in the play in picture, um, or maybe even just outside the play in picture. Um, they've really struggled. And so, if it's Embiid or Jokic, if we have to pick between those two, it's close. You know, Jokic is now just barely not averaging a triple double, he's averaging 9.9 assists. Uh, 0.1 more, and he would be averaging a triple-double still. Um, again, that was a big deal when Russell Westbrook won his first, his uh, MVP award in 2017. Um, he had been he was the first to do that since Oscar Robertson, and then he uh, did it three seasons in a row, um, or at least two seasons in a row, I think three overall. And so that has maybe lost some of its excitement for MVP voters, but it's still... Uh, a landmark worth noting. However, Jokic has never been a stellar defender. Embiid has the defensive stats ahead of him as well as the high scoring output. Still a you know a, a very good rebounder, not just a shade less good than Jokic as a rebounder and of course not near the playmaker that Jokic is. And so it's it's pretty close to different types of players, both bomb both dominant bigs and um it's a close race. Again, you know, I, I'd be biased in the sense of Jokic already having won it twice. And again, we fall into that trap of letting past MVPs influence the way we vote for current MVP. But I really do think that Jokic or Embiid has separated himself enough from Jokic this season to maybe land that award. And again, he sits out a game versus Jokic. I don't think that should be, if he's going to lose it to Jokic, that shouldn't be the reason. It should be that voters valued Jokic's playmaking compared to the things that Embiid does um, or something to that effect. But if it was me, I would give it to Embiid. Um, 
And again, that was kind of a long-winded, long-winding road going down the conversation of the media talk that Kendrick Perkins takes and the MVP race as a whole. But I think we got there. And that kind of flushes out a little bit more of our award uh, award race conversation. You know, outside of MVP, I'm not sure I really have much more to talk about with some of these other award chases. I think we'll have um, probably a bit more structured way. We'll talk about it um, on next week's uh, show in which we'll discuss the award races. Um, you know, we'll have some structure. We'll have, um, you know, something new to talk about there. But for now, that's maybe my take on those top two in the MVP race. Defensive player of the year, I'd still say, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brooke Lopez, um, maybe Nick Claxton. Those are some of your top names there. Rookie of the year is still pretty well handled by Paolo Bencaro, but guys like Walker Kessler and uh, Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey, um, they've stepped up. Uh, Jabari Smith Jr. has had some nice games recently. Um, Jalen Williams, that's L-E-N Williams, has been a standout for Oklahoma City as well. So they've started to elevate themselves and they've, close they've shortened the gap between them and Ben Carroll, but I still say Ben Carroll's in the lead. Uh Matherin as well should include him in that mix. Um six man of the year, that's still a pretty interesting one. You know, Brogdon is probably a pretty safe pick. Um Malik Monk could be in that conversation. Uh Christian Wood, some of those other guys. And then most improved, you know, Shea Gildas Alexander, Larry Markinen, um, maybe even Jalen Brunson, uh some of those types of guys would be kind of in the mix there. So so those are the general takes there, and a lot of that's the same as what we've talked about. Maybe some other names have started to make uh, make cases lately. But that's really the on-the-whole update for our award races, and that's a, a much longer in-depth conversation about the MVP race and the discourse around the MVP race uh, than maybe I anticipated, but there you go. I think we've you know got a little bit more of a meat, uh, some meat added to the the show as a whole for today. Um, with that, let's go ahead and move into our, um, you know, the end of our show here. We'll first do our This Day in History fact for you. Um, this Day in History, we're going back to 1990, not too far, but uh, March 28th of 1990, uh, Chicago's very own Michael Jordan scored a regular season career high 69 points during the Chicago Bulls 117 to 113 road win at Cleveland against the Cavaliers. Um, of course, Michael Jordan in the first half of his career. Um, before his first retirement, made it a routine of upsetting the Cavaliers' hopes. You know, that was a team that was a playoff hopeful. They were a playoff contender uh, at that time, maybe even trying to make conference finals, even NBA finals. You know, they had a solid team in Cleveland. And Chicago thoroughly derailed those efforts um, pretty much every time. And Chicago, you know, Michael Jordan specifically had incredible games against the Cavs. He had his, again, this was his highest single game total in his career, uh, you know, points in a game. So you got to note that. I mean, I think there were some good facts all around for that day in history, but that one specifically, you know, when you're talking about maybe the greatest player of all time and his best scoring game, you got to talk about that when you can. So, so there you go. But yeah, Cleveland had some good teams, but of course, Michael Jordan just outmatched them in those moments. Um, with that, that takes care of the rest of our show. Uh, thank you all again for listening. We really appreciate you tuning into the show. If you want to check out our Instagram page, that's crossover across time, all one word on Instagram. 
Um, we share content from the show itself. We also share content from across the NBA. Uh, so it's a great, you know, all inclusive kind of place along with the podcast itself to stay up to date on uh, the NBA and what's going on this season. Um, on tomorrow's show, um, I, I need to talk to Justin about this. I'll be honest. I have not had a chance to uh, get in touch with him, but I might be doing this earlier in the day due to uh, personal scheduling uh, things I have going on later uh, Wednesday night. And so we might not be able to coordinate schedules, uh, Justin and I, to have Justin on the podcast tomorrow. But um, regardless of those scheduling issues, I'm just saying that so you're aware of it. But regardless, on Wednesday's show, we'll do our game summaries, our key news, and then we'll jump into our, you know, playoff picture conversation. We'll have, you know, plenty more to talk about there, along with our weekly predictions. Um, and uh, that kind of goes along with our normal Wednesday show. So definitely uh, tune into that. Thank you again for listening. And we'll be back with you on tomorrow's show. 